Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Quiz Wizard Chuck Bailey and Super Producer Ian Stimson. Boys, obviously no football happened this weekend, so I don't know what we're going to talk about for the next uh, <laughs> two hours, hour and a half, whatever it comes out to, but um, I'm sure we'll have a good time. How are you yeah. guys doing? Oh, ladies, at the will. Ollie's at the will. Ollie's at the will. If uh, if you cast your eye out of your window at approximately 9.17 on Wednesday evening, you can just see um, a faint glimpse coming from the southeast of Bruno Fernandez's penalty just flying <laughs> across the sky. Um, oh, you'll get nice. a real good look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mark that one down, guys. Lovely. And that's presumably in orbit and we'll be coming round every 90 minutes. Every 90 minutes, yeah. <laughs> Is that how long it takes? For what? For Bruno Fernandez penalty to circulate the earth? Yeah, that's where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually how they measure time now in games. Bruno takes a, a penalty and then they play the game, and whenever it lands, that's when the game is over. Ninety minutes, little ninety minutes joke there. No, okay, yeah, cool, then. good chat, guys. Yeah, that was good. That's the banter section complete. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We are very happy to have you. We are one American and two Brits, and we talk about the Premier League, but often get distracted. By orbital times, apparently, is something we get distracted by. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I used to say this one, haven't said it in a while, but I'll say it again, uh, bringing it back. If you are coming back and joining us for not the first time, thank you. We really appreciate it. We love you. We're happy to have you. Keep telling friends. Keep leaving us reviews. All that lovely stuff. Uh, this week, we are recording a day later than usual uh, because our good friend Chuck, and we'll get to it in a second, went to the football last night. Um, so we're going to forego the rapid, rapid, rapid fire news segment that usually kicks us off. And instead, so that Ian doesn't have too much to edit, uh, we are going to talk about <clears throat> rapid, rapid, rapid fire fixtures. Do I do I yeah, do it? Yeah, do the thing. Do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, we're not going to cover all of them, but we'll start off with the big and exciting one, at least as far as this podcast is concerned. And that is Crystal Palace 1. Brickton won. Uh, Crystal Palace putting up 1.4 to Brighton's 0.6 in the A23 derby here. Mr. Chuck was at Please don't call it that. M23 derby. Please don't call it that. Um, And he was there yesterday. Please don't call it that. It's just Palace Brighton. That's it. That's all it is. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I saw it promoted as a derby, so I don't yep, know what you're yep. talking about. Yep, good. Always good. It's funny that no one no one wants to listen to Sky and Talk Sport until it's something stupid like that. Yeah, funny that, you pricks. <laughs> People like you are the reason we can't have equality in this life. I don't know. I don't really understand. Fair enough. It's Fair about, enough. But... Um, so you were at this game, man. Big fucking game. You're big rivals. Lots to talk about here. Edward gets his first start. You guys really kind of put it to them. Um, obviously the highly avoidable ending there. Um, but how are you feeling, man? I felt like that was a pretty good performance from Palace. How are you feeling? Oh, no, I thought that was it, that you were done. You summed it up quite beautifully then. I thought we were going to move on and not, <laughs> not make me relive it. Um, football's a funny old game, isn't it? It's, um, I've been, mm. been through a whole gamut of emotions um, with this one. Obviously, being there, first of all, I was in the stadium. Well, I didn't think it was that early. I was about an hour just because I came straight from work. And gradually the stadium filled up and for the whole game it was incredible. Um, absolutely electric atmosphere, which I'm told came through massively on the TV as well. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It brilliant. Yeah. It, yeah. Was just, it was just immense and didn't sit down for the whole game, just going, singing, uh, throat was hurting this morning. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic, especially, you know, at half time, um, we get that penalty. Zaha buries it beautifully and, and the whole crowd comes alive. But, you know, it's one that I, I said to you boys before that, like, the only thing I want from this game is points. Like, you know, we can have the performance and we can have that that kind of fight and desire. But if we lose, then it's not really worth it. And, and and you think, you know, if the goals come the other way round, it's fantastic. Even though you would have taken a draw, I would have taken a draw beforehand. But the way in which we lost the two points at the end, last kick of the game, um, you know, I think Guaita... Uh, may have got like a bit of a knock to the head before and then goes to to take a goal kick. It's not even like a pressured mistake or anything like that and could literally kick it anywhere else in the pitch other than there. That kind of skews, you know, over to the kind of the centre left as Palace were attacking and Veltman gets onto it, plays a quite a speculative ball, which then, again, weirdly, Gerhi, you, you kind of see him move out of the way from heading it and then um, that French 
lobs uh, Vincente Guaita. <laughs> Vincente Guaita. So, you know, it's it's a very bitter pill to swallow. And you could see that in the, the players would just fuck. The whole ground didn't know what to do at that point. And so mm-hmm. it, it is just quite strange that it's just the landscape of the game that literally if it had happened the other way around, we'd be absolutely ecstatic. And, and it's hard to especially in the moment to not look at the performance overall and and the, compare the two teams in quite an objective and honest way. Brighton are, are three years down the line of a, of a, or into their third year, sorry, of, of a rebuild slash reimagining of their team um, under Graham Potter. And I thought for game six into this season, like we were unbelievable. We were pressing everywhere over the pitch. Edward was fantastic. Gallagher is just next fucking level amazing. Um, Zaha looked active. Um, Apart from the mistake at the end, you know, Gerhi, Anderson were fantastic. Milivojevic was back uh, and playing really well, I thought, linking the play and and being kind of someone to steady the ship in the midfield at times. Um, IU ran a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And he was there too. Yes, and Brighton and Brighton had their moments. You know, they looked dangerous um, playing a few long balls over the top. Danny Welbeck still has some um, speed, but obviously, characteristically, he went off with an injury um, in that game. Uh, predictable, um, and so they did look dangerous. But to you know, to keep them to point six, us generating one point four, even with some of that being the penalty, is is quite good. Um, but yeah, it's just. You know, objectively, you have to take that as a good result and another point to take us to six from six. And we've now got what we've got Leicester, then Arsenal, then Newcastle, then Man City. So there's still opportunity to get some points there. So I'm feeling fairly good about it. Yeah, I've got your next six up, actually. So you after Man City, then you've got Wolves and Burnley. So there's definitely chances for points. I mean, six from six with the start you've had yeah. uh, fixtures wise. Mm. Which we said was absolutely terrible. I mean, it's it a really, you know, you and Norwich had a real bad start of the season, fixtures wise. Um, but like you say, I think the most encouraging thing is just that this team's hit the ground running. I mean, last year, Palace was certainly in FPL. If you were playing fantasy football, Palace was a team you would target. And I started the season thinking that. Mm-hmm. And already I'm sort of backing off on that and I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily just going, oh, I've got a player playing Palace, I'll, I'll, I'll consider him for captaincy. So, you know, you, like you say, I think that's that's really positive. And uh, as Oscar said before, you know, you've got a lot of new new young talent and you only need a couple of them to hit the ground running and, um, you know, the others can can catch up. But, I mean, you're doing, you're doing good things, I think. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm with Ian on that 100%. I mean... There's probably a bit of a mop bias there in terms of the like podcast. We pay more attention to Palace than other teams, um, a lot of other teams. But in my opinion, they're the ones who, or rather, I would say from the beginning of the season to now, they're the team on whom I have changed my opinion the most. Mm. Um, I would have said that you're at best in a relegation scrap, just given the last several years of performances, the data, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and Vieira's come in, you have all this new attacking talent. And it seems like most of those are hitting early and hitting the ground running, not even just like half or a few of them. And you guys look great. Genuinely, you look like a completely different team than I have ever seen Palace look, honestly, Mm -hmm. in all the years that I've been watching the Premier League. Because they've they've only been up for what, like eight total seasons, if even that, since the 2000s, right? Yeah, before that probably would have been, when would it have been, 2003, 2004? Yeah, there was a few seasons before that. I'm going blank right now for some reason. But yeah. Of the seasons, I would say of the eight seasons I've seen, you this is, you know, it's early days, but you look like a completely different team. Completely different team. Yeah. It's, it's really good stuff. And like, this was one of those draws that feels like a loss for you. Um, but I think you have to be happy with the point, And I think you have to be happy with the performance. I think six points from your fixtures is great, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I can see you getting another six points over the next like three, you know, obviously with Man City in there. But yeah, I think over over the next four games, um, six another six points would be amazing. Um, two wins in there or even, you know, a couple of draws or whatever. The only games we've lost this year have been against Chelsea and Liverpool. So, you know, you can't really say fairer than that. Yeah, and at least one of those teams is good. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll come on to that very shortly. But mm-hmm. the only last thing I just wanted to say was it was a bit confusing the in-game management for this one. Um, the the substitutions I thought were a bit lacking, 
and we kind of it seemed like we stepped down in tempo quite a lot and pressing I was quite surprised that when Benteke came on for Edward when Benteke has been so great at pushing and pressing early in games at least for the last few when he came on he didn't really contribute in any way you know he was he was brought on to be that target up front get his head on the ball hold it up bring other players in to kind of um you know eat up the clock as it were and he just did none of that and really didn't press and you noticed a big big drop off in intensity which then fed into the crowd I think from when he came on which is a bit of a shame same for Kuyate I don't think he he really added that much um and then Schlupp coming on for Ayu as well uh, was really bad and then obviously there's Ayu missing that absolute sitter which from where I was sitting, genuinely, we started celebrating because we thought it went in because we didn't see yeah. how it could oh. not have gone in. Um, and that goes in and it kills the game and Guaita doesn't have that, that miss kick. And, you know, it, it, that's football. It's, it's a funny old game. We haven't lost to Brighton in our last five um, fixtures against them. Um, they celebrate that like it's a win. And if, if we were in that situation, <laughs> we probably would have done the same. Um, but we we'll always have that 2-1. Um, when you generated about thirty-eight times the xG of us, um, and we and we still beat you, so <laughs> and yeah. Zaha gets his goal against Brighton as well. So lovely, old again, job. He, you know, it's... not even uh, Millie. Millie was on the pitch, wasn't he as well? Yeah, Zaha's on pens now. All oh, right, is that a permanent? Is that a change? Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, he's he's come out. He might even start taking free kicks and those kind of bits soon. He's just backing himself massively. He's like, I want goals. Well, he's the vet at this point, surrounded by a bunch of kids. So he's like, get the fuck out of my way. It was his, yeah, it was his 400th game for Palace. Wow. So for, for Palace. So, Very impressive. What a servant. Yeah, so good things. Love nice. the guy. Well, despite the ending there, I'm, I'm jealous that you got to go. You've been to a few live sporting events at this point. You've got to, gotten to go see Palace. Uh, so I am living vicariously through your joy and your ups and your downs and all that sort of stuff. So I'm glad you were there for a big yep. rival match and, I get, you know, all that. Thanks. Um, Speaking of joy. Yeah, or lack thereof. Let's go to back, 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 all the way back to Saturday, January. No, not January. <laughs> Fuck, that's too far back. <laughs> Wait, hang on. What was happening? COVID. Shit. <laughs> yeah, it was still shit. Yeah. Was Tuchel here by January? No. Yeah, it was the end of he January. He came in after. End of January. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Saturday, <laughs> September 25th at 7.30 a.m. slash noon 30 slash 4.30 a.m. on the West Coast. We had Chelsea 0, Manchester City 1. Chelsea... Oh, 0.3 on XG to Man City's 1.7, so probably a 2-0 would have been a more reflective scoreline. Either fucking way, this was atrocious from Chelsea, and I will get to that. Um, but let's cover the City side of this first, because I think this is a pretty pretty big statement from City, this performance, this result, especially after a relatively shaky start to the season for them, um, taking them level with points up at the top of the table. So talk to me about City here. Talk to me about the performance. Jack Grealish was amazing. All that sort of stuff. Uh, let's go to Ian first. Ian, you haven't had that much to say yet. So talk to me about City. <laughs> well, the thing with this game is, I think that there are criticisms of Chelsea, which I'm sure you'll be able to do. But I thought it was mostly the fact that City, I thought City were better than Chelsea were bad, if that makes any sense at all. Um, in that I think okay. I think that City played in a way that... Um, Chelsea felt like they were in containment mode a lot, but City mm. just ran over them. It was it was an irresistible force. I th- I thought I don't I I don't know. Well, you you'll go through. It, I'm sure, but I don't know what else Chelsea could have done because I thought City were just absolutely on their game. Uh, as you say, Grealish was uh, really impressive. Mm. I thought he's he's settled in very mm. well to City. Um, yes. I, I don't know well. if I ex- way too yeah, well. Too, too well, yeah. I don't know if I expected anything less, but um, yeah, I, I haven't really got a great deal to say other than that. I thought I because I know that we went on a bit of a negative, or you went on a bit of a negative tilt about Chelsea last episode. Yeah, we sort of called. And you this out doesn't on it make you right. Saying, Hang on, before your little face lights up. <laughs> Wait, this doesn't make you right. One game when when you know your manager has managed to have Pep's number. On three occasions, one of which was rather <laughs> yeah. lucrative, I seem to remember. So, yeah, just a bit. 
You know what? And, and considering all of those games have been really close, so it's not a hell of a lot to swing the tide the other way necessarily. Um, I, I don't think that if you're just not on your game, if if either of these teams, you know, you could you could easily say if City weren't on their game, then Chelsea could take advantage. And and to be honest, from from my point of view, and it isn't it isn't the necessarily the result of it. Like this is this is really good to see. I think from a from a neutral point of view that we see oh, yeah. this competitive nature and the teams going toe to toe and like one manager getting the upper hand one time and then the other one and that's the kind of the the kind of stats heavy football perversion of it that oh wait playing Phil Foden as a nine worked against against Chelsea playing their formation and their containment which is just fascinating as well and so you know do you worry you said before about the creativity and is that merely purely an xg kind of thing or just actual flat shots and opportunities because you only had four in this game yeah it was the shots were four to 15 um before we get to the chelsea side of it i just want to throw in my two cents about city very quickly to me the jack Grealish was a huge huge um improvement compared to the three games where we beat them last year uh i think that our our right side of our defense their left wing they were getting no joy last season in that direction we shut him down with Reese and with Aspie. And Grealish came in and he just opened that flank up, which opened up the entire pitch. Um, and I, and Pep, I think, got it exactly right. I think his tactics, I think his people, where they were, all of his choices paid out perfectly for him. And I, and full credit to Pep for like 100% getting the best of Tuchel in this situation. Um, but to go back to the Chelsea side of it, like you said, Chuck, my concerns last week, and for the record, I'm not like saying that Chelsea are bad or Tuchel out or any of that nonsense. These are just things I've noticed that I have questions, question marks about and potentially something to be worried about going forward. That's what I was trying to get at last week. I wasn't trying to say Chelsea are shit. We've been very good, obviously. But from the eye test, because I've been mostly avoiding the XG with Chelsea um, as much as possible, because like I said, I don't care about XG this year. I care about points and results. Um, but from the eye test, I have noticed a distinct inability to connect the midfield to the attack compared to how we've been last season. Yeah. Um, I think, like I like I said, I mentioned this last week, I'm not a fan of the 3-5-2 that we've been playing since we got Lukaku. I think we're changing what was probably the best defense in the world and one of the two or three best teams in the world tactically to something that is not working as well so far, let's say. Okay. To try to get the best out of Lukaku, but we're like really losing a lot of important things that the rest of the guys do. And it's not like we need to do that for Lukaku. I think Lukaku can slot into the 3-4-3 really nicely or the 3-4-2-1. But the 3-5-2 we've been playing, like I just don't think the five in the middle is working at all. We just – whether it's Lukaku and Timo up there or Lukaku and Havertz or Lukaku and Ziyech in I think the Champions League last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was – We've seen a lot of different iterations of that across a few different matches. And I have yet to feel like there's enough up front. Like, they're kicking it into Lukaku. He's got back to goal. He's trying to play in the other guys. But to me, that screams like, okay, well, then let's go back to having the two people flanking him, have Timo and Havertz on either side. They kind of offer different dimensions of attack or Mount when he's healthy. Mount has been out, which has been a huge problem. Um, I just don't think it's working. I think we're losing too much of what Havertz does well. I think we're losing too much of what Mount and or Timo do well because Timo does do certain things very importantly and well. He stretches the play he runs. beautifully. Runs well. He runs. No, and defenders pay attention to him. Like like yep. the Champions League final goal. That doesn't happen without Timo's run, right? So like yep. we kind of talked about that. I think we're sacrificing too much to try to get the best out of Lukaku when Lukaku's so good that we don't need to do that. Um, and I think that the, the XG now that we're looking at it does sort of play that out. Like we're just not generating chances. Last year we weren't converting chances, but the chances were there, which is much, much more important in terms of like predicting your future performance and how good you're actually playing, what kind of sort of performances you're putting in. As opposed to now, like, yeah, we have people who are finishing the chances, but they're, they're drying up, man. And you have to give Tuchel the time. He's the he's the one of the best, maybe the best fucking manager we've ever had. Um, the way he came in, the things he did last season were unbelievable. So he deserves the benefit of the doubt. You know, we look at City we were talking about last season at this point. They were not playing well. The results weren't there. Neither were the underlying performances. At least our results have been there. We're still up towards the top of the table, even if the performances aren't. 
So you got to give Tuchel time to tweak the 3-5-2, get the best. If he really, if that's what he wants to play, I have to trust him to make it work. Um, but it doesn't look like it's working so far. And to me, it seems like too much of a sacrifice just for the sake of Lukaku. And that's my read on it. Obviously, I don't know anything. Um, but we're like <laughs> solidly mid-table. We're like you, the next team below us on XG per 90. Goal difference per 90. Hello! Is Palace. Yeah. And like Palace <laughs> have been really good. But Chelsea... I came into this season being like, okay, Chelsea, one of the two best teams in the world. We're going to dominate everyone. And now we're like, oh, it's just one result. We're trying to make excuses. This, that, or the, like, that shouldn't fucking matter. And I said that at the beginning of the season and I stick to that now. Fuck making excuses. Like, I want us and I expect us to be one of the best teams in the world. And yes, we were playing one of the other three best teams in the world mm. in this match. But we lost. Fine. You'll lose to City sometimes. We beat them three times in a row. It's much more about the performance here and in a bunch of recent matches. I just don't think we look that good. Forget about being one of the two best teams in the world. Like, we're not even one of the two best teams in the Premier League right now. We're not even one of the four best teams in the Premier League right now. And we're definitely getting to the point where the sample size matters. So I'm I'm concerned. I mean, all the things I said last week about the system, about the players, about the lack of chances, all of that exactly played out in the way that I feared it would. And so that was really upsetting. I was in a terrible fucking mood all of Saturday. I didn't watch any of the other <laughs> soccer, really. It just sucked. It just sucked. We were at home. Everything about that was fucking terrible. And I'm trying not to re- overreact because you're right. It's just one. You know, this was only our second goal conceded, our first from what we play. The two goals we've conceded yeah. is against Liverpool, 10 men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, we're right. right at the top of the table. So it's a good place to be. But the longer these performances continue to look shaky at best, the more I'm worried. Because I don't want to be fighting for top four. I want to be the best team in the world. And I think we have the talent for that. It's, you know, Tuchel came in in January, had to get stuff locked down very quickly. And I think it's only really this year he can start to work on various options and more variety in what you have. It's the way you, you stay ahead of the pack, really. Yeah. Um. And, and if you're saying you're fucking up and you're in third, like that's a good place to be and fucking up. You know, granted, it's right. only yeah, six like games City in. were in thirteenth when they were fucking up. So, like, this exactly. is a huge yeah. exactly, exactly. So, you know, you've, you you question about defense. You've conceded two goals. One was against uh, Liverpool with a pen, and, and one's against City. Like, I, I understand that it's it's different, and there are different levels to it. And if you want the the excellence, like everything does have to be that way. And and you know, if you've got teams like Liverpool that are going at at teams again and and attacking quite freely you kind of want to be getting those results as well to to kind of have a buffer there but i don't know i th- i think it takes a bit a bit of time um to instill it i'd be a bit worried now with you know the amount of injuries you seem to have got piling up all of a sudden or or question yeah. marks over players who before the season started were almost certain uh, to be in Conte has covid like, now yeah so which that's, that's huge that's huge he's our, he's he's the linchpin to our entire System. You know, you've got Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley, Leicester coming up. Barely mm-hmm. has there ever been such a good run. That's fifteen points in the in the Premier League. Yeah, and exactly. You've got you know if if I understand what you're saying about this system because as I say, I thought I thought Chelsea was strangely in containment mode for the whole game, which was terrible. Odd. We're and, at home. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the fuck are we doing with that? That it, was bad. It, it was strange, but. You know, you've those are five, six games there that you can really play with this system and still probably win comfortably most of those games. Yeah, so, fair enough. So you know, you could you could sort of have a bit of a buffer of of just because of the quality of the opposition, be able to iron out any problems uh, yeah. with, with this system. I mean, he sort of tried to change the system a little bit after the City's goal, but I mean, their yes. pressing was just something else and it just it just negated everything i did think we looked a lot better after we switched back to the 343 which is part of what's so frustrating yeah. Havertz came on we put him up there and with timo and Havertz both there we were creating more chances we were keeping the ball better there was more outlets up front all of that stuff like what you're saying is exactly what pisses me off that we're even sitting here being like well at least the opponents aren't that bad coming up like i'm sorry maybe i'm being a an elitist prick or whatever but like we're chelsea fucking football club Look how much money we've spent. Look who we have. We shouldn't care who our opponent is. It shouldn't matter that it's Liverpool and 10 men. Shouldn't matter that it's City. Shouldn't matter anything. We should just be the best team on the field winning. Full fucking stop. And that we're even considering all these little like extra factors to be like, oh, they have time to sort of sort. They're like, 
No. I, Fuck yeah, that. I, That's I the problem right there. I do understand what you're saying, but you have you have got a manager who's been there less than a year. You've got this new sort of talismanic striker um, that you had before, but whatever. And, um, you know, the, the, this little run of games might just be enough to let a new uh, a, a newish system settle in. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I do, no, I do exactly totally right. get what you mean. But uh, yeah. if you... If you could have asked for a better run of games to settle in a, a, a system. You've got it. You know, take the rust off, start competing and and creating and get some goals. Um, rather than just yeah, sounding like an entitled prick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you want? I know we're not doing rapid, rapid, rapid fire news this week. Do 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 do. Um, but did you want to take a minute to talk about Marcus Alonso at all? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, that probably was something we would have mentioned last week as well. I'm not sure when all that sort of started kicking off. Um, I'll just briefly say Marcus Alonso decided that he doesn't think that the kneeling is an effective gesture anymore. It's losing its meaning, which potentially an argu- arguably you know, valid thing to say, but he can't take it on himself to make that decision, to make that call. He decided he's going to start standing up and pointing to the end racism badge instead of kneeling. He didn't consult with any of the black teammates. He didn't consult with anybody, really, it sounds like. He just decided this for himself. And I will just say, as as the minority of the podcast, and like as a person of color just in life, um, it's not up to allies to decide what they think is the best way to go about doing those sorts of protests or bringing light to those sorts of issues. Uh, it is your job as an ally, or it is our job as an ally, because I'm an ally to other groups, obviously not people of color, but like, you know, in any sort of system. If you're an ally, just fucking shut up, see what the other people who are the ones being oppressed and prejudiced against say, and then do it. That's the right way to be an ally. The wrong way to be an ally is come in, like, I'm not going to go to, like, a group, like a feminist organization and be like, hey, you guys are idiots. Actually, the best way to do feminism is the way that I know because I'm a man. (laughs) Like, that's not how that fucking works, Marco Solanzo. You don't get to fucking decide. It's not up to you. Sorry, bud. Even if what you're saying... Might be fair. And even if, like, I saw a lot of people being like, well, Zaha's not kneeling anymore. Yeah. What's the fucking difference between Zaha and Alonso? <laughs> Let me think mm-hmm. about that for a second. Jesus. So Alonso's <laughs> a fucking idiot. And he should just be kneeling. And even if he has a maybe kind of valid point about the gesture losing its meaning, that's not the fucking point. The, the arrogance of it means and he's managed to make the story about him. And it's like, don't, don't do that. Just solidarity with everyone on the field and your teammates. Don't make the fucking story about you a white man. Don't do that. Fuck yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. White people, stop deciding what the best way is to deal with like <laughs> racism because you're you're not the ones. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We've not got a good track record, have we? Yeah. Like I saw someone on Twitter that was like, "Oh, sports is just escapism. Not everything needs to be about the discourse." And then I looked at his profile picture, and fucking surprise, it was a white dude being like, "Stick to sports, y'all." And I was like, "No." But they're all the same people who would go absolutely mental if like the poppy was taken off of uh, right, exactly. Like, you know, kits in November or whatever. You yeah, know. yeah. yeah. And it's like suddenly sports can be either political or have other messages, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing that up, Chuck, because I totally would have forgotten. And yeah, that's a really important thing to say. So thank you for reminding me. I appreciate that. Um, let's keep going through the fixtures. We're not going to talk about all of them this week, but let's talk about the other sort of interesting and big one in terms of the title race on Saturday. If we're going to talk about teams underperforming. <laughs> yeah. Brentford <laughs> underperformed. <laughs> Brentford 3, Liverpool 3, Brentford 1.9 to Liverpool 2.5, so a 2-2-ish scoreline. Not that far off. Shout out Brentford, man. Fucking promoted team taking it to Liverpool. And Liverpool, shout out, conceding 3 to a newly promoted team. That Arsenal result from the first day of the season is looking a little bit more uh, yeah. reasonable as far as Arsenal goes. <laughs> that Palace Palace getting 0-0 against Brentford is looking fucking brilliant. It's looking like an absolute touch <laughs> yeah, man. that, yeah. Brentford are the truth. Like, Brentford are legit. Let me pull up the XG table. They are sixth on XG difference per 90. Above Wolves, above Chelsea, above Leicester, above Tottenham, above Leeds, above Arsenal. They're above all of these teams on XG goal difference per 90. They are fucking smashing it since coming in. That's the bigger thing for me here, at least. Obviously, I'm inclined to not talk about Liverpool and fuck Liverpool, but Brentford, man. Brentford looked good. Yeah, they really did. Liverpool... Missed quite a few chances, coupled with David Raya having a, an unbelievably um, good good game. There were there was one save, and it would be Diogo Jota again, where it was an open goal, and it, and it looked it, and Raya dives and throws his hand up, and 
the ball's kind of gone past him and he flicks it from underneath him and the save comes behind his head. Like, <laughs> unreal reflexes for him to do that. Yeah. Absolutely incredible and have the strength in that position to, to save it. But yeah, Brentford playing in a different way you know when they when they came up they were very possession based and uh, and and running games that way you know thomas frank being smart enough to know how to play and beat the press you know tactics are, are cyclical in nature it's it's just what happens over time that everyone starts to do one tactic and then a counter is found and then that gra- gradually ripples through through the league and then another new manager comes in with a different way and, and so on and so forth. And playing with the classic big man, little man up front um, and realising that, oh, how do you beat a high press? Oh, well, just play it over the top. Was yeah. was having unbelievably effective results. And it's it's quite scary when you, when you see that a promoted team can just come up because how many teams <laughs> do we know now that play high press? And if you've got this Brentford team that know how to beat that and can do it well and you can look at the three-all result and think, actually, you probably could have got three points there. Yeah, it was in play for sure. Like 100% within variance there. Like Liverpool put up 2.5, but like, who knows? Easily could have been 4-3 in one direction, like... Like Palace had that epic three all against Liverpool, and and the nature of that and the and the narrative means it it will live on for for a very very long time. But I think this result was a far more deserved battling. You know, Tony. I think he's like the most creative player in the league right now. Um, and yeah. it, and it's outrageous he's got the highest, that the highest expected assists, and uh, I think he's created the most big chances according yeah. to Opta as well. He's yeah, it's something else. Yeah, and I I hate them. I hate them. I hate this. You know, it's like I hated Leeds <laughs> last year, and I I hated. Uh, you know, I hated Bournemouth, and I do hate their shithouse tactics and their fake injuries oh, and those please. kind of bits. Can you stop and... complaining about the time <laughs> wasting? You guys were time wasting against not. Brighton no. too. Can you, you let me fucking finish, you pricks? <laughs> <laughs> like there was also the other element. You like yeah, you got you got to take your heart off to this if you're going to be more positive. And like I said, and and if it, if my positivity about something can about Leeds can jinx them, then maybe it can jinx Brentford as well. But you know, I'd be looking at you know an Ivan. You know, we we got Ivan Tony in early in all the fantasy teams and stuff like that, and then people shipped him out. But now, like, they're looking like fixture proof simply because they're going to just go at teams and try and find a way. Thomas Frank, in all of his interviews afterwards, every single game has been like, we should have been doing this. We should have been pushing for more. It's kind of how I'm seeing like Vieira now and, and him saying like how he wants to play. And, and so there's a lot of similarities there. And so it's, it's something to be enjoyed and refreshing again and if it if it means you know you know I said before this pod that before we started this season sorry that the new teams coming in it hasn't been a, a necessarily a rule that promoted teams come up and and do really well it's been a very recent thing but but you're looking at it now like Wolves have uh Leeds have um Sheffield United obviously had one season but it didn't really go very well um <laughs> and Brentford just look the same here that they're just they're just going to kick on and 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 develop there looks zero chance of them getting relegated, doesn't there? They really. It doesn't does. look like there's any chance. Like they, they don't even look like they're close to that kind of collapse, or they're not. You know, and the underlying numbers like they're deserving of a lot of these results, or at least them being close. And if it mm-hmm. means that we can shift out some of the dross from the league and the teams that are playing negatively <laughs> or conservative, and they're going to get punished for that, then all for it. I mean, to me, this was a battle of the two smartest teams in England. They're the most well-run. Like, they both have the most mathematicians working for them, the most tactical sort of scouts. They always find good players. They change their systems when they need to. Like, these two teams are both so, so well-run. And, I mean, Brentford, we've talked about this before. You know, their analytics department ended up becoming StatsBomb when they started analytics. Like, they were one of the first teams really working on XG and having, like, that many mathematicians at their club. They're great. They're great. I fucking love them. I think they need to be protected. I love that they came up. I love that they're, like... XGFC or Stats FC or whatever. Yeah, fucking shout out Brentford. I love them. Long may they reign. And I could see them pushing for a Europa League spot, honestly. Like, in in, in earnest, deserving to be pushing for a Europa League spot. Which is what pretty cool. What a shout. What a shout that is. But, I mean, it it looks right so far. Um, Realms variance is right up there if they're going to go at teams. I don't see why not. Certainly is. They're sixth right now on XG. Burnley were in the fucking Europa like three years ago, two years ago. Like, you yeah, don't have to yeah. go there. And, and if that can happen, fucking... 
anything can happen. Everyone says about Leicester winning the league. I think it's Burnley getting Europa. <laughs> <laughs> that's your benchmark. That's the one. That's the one right there. What about Liverpool? Liverpool generating 2.5, scoring three, but it's against a promoted team. Are we worried? It's just like Brentford are really good. What are you going to do? I'm not worried about Liverpool. I think that they're better than I thought they were preseason. I think that they scared the shit out of me. Um, but what about you guys? Where are you at on Liverpool? I think it's just weird seeing that Liverpool defense with Van Dijk back looking so fucking vulnerable. Like it was so, it was so easy. Like if other teams cotton on to how you can just do that, just go, okay, big man, win header. Um, granted, you know, that's kind of underplaying what Ivan Tony is. I think he's an incredibly intelligent, um, smart footballer who, who, like Ian said, is just absolutely box office when it comes to personality, which is, which is exactly <laughs> what we want to see as well. And, and Mbumo, looks to be an he looks decent as well really yeah really good link up between the two of them that like the knockdown was always going to the right place and so firing in that was just fun but you know liverpool being got at like that and having to resort to kind of a slugfest in a way um because they didn't put put away a couple more chances um to kind of take it even further is probably a bit worrying but but i think part of Klopp enjoys that. You saw at the very end when um, it came close to being 4-3, there is a, a kind of shot where it's it's showing down the line looking at Thomas Frank and him and Jurgen Klopp just share a look and just kind of a deep exhale of breath and a little chuckle. Um, that was that, hilarious. That was so it's, funny. It's great to see that it's just, you know, at that level of we just love this fucking game. And, well, and it was that's, such a good game, weren't it? I mean, it, was, it was. It really was. There was quite a lot of games that were similar this weekend, um, but we aren't really going to talk about them that much. Never mind. Um, you know, that were just entertaining and end-to-end and shit was happening and it was it was crazy. So, yeah, Liverpool still attacking, still scoring goals, still generating the right amount of XG still underperforming their XG for the year by three goals. So they should have had 17, um, uh, yeah, 17 goals rather than the 15 they have had um, across six games. So they're averaging three goals a game nearly on XG, which is like City 100 goal plus seasons of <laughs> yeah, um, terrifying alarming numbers. Terrifying numbers. Oh, it's exciting for the neutral. You're absolutely right what you said earlier, Chuck. This is it's fun. It's, it's fun yeah, to have these battles season. at least at, at this level. You know, when when one team runs away with it or one or two teams run away with it, it's not quite as good because there's there's less possibility for something to actually go down to the last game of the season again. And Oscar won't yeah. agree with this because even though he wants to see the best teams competing for the best thing, he doesn't actually want to see them compete. He just wants to see his <laughs> team win. There's a difference. Oh, yeah, sure. So yeah, there's yeah. something against your Super League, you prick. Um, but you want, you want to see as many teams as possible competing for as much as possible. And I think for so many years now, the season has led up to what has been damp squibs on the final days of the season that like relegations wrapped up promotions wrapped up and the only thing we're ever really looking at is like oh who's going to get fifth place like it's <laughs> yeah exactly there's nothing there's no fun there there's there's no excitement got a chance so. this season though yeah so it's you know it's, it's good that we're seeing these things but yeah fucking hell what what a fantastic game i'm so glad this was on telly <laughs> yeah I, I i caught it later because obviously saturday i was just like so fucking distraught after the chelsea performance and i didn't see it and I saw I checked the scores later, and I was like, "Fucking three, three! Wait, what? What was the XG?" So I caught like the extended highlights online, and it was, it looked like it was a good time. I was dying laughing when I saw the two managers make that face <laughs> at each other at the end, just being like, "Ooh, fucking hell, that was crazy!" Um, and I do think you're right, Chuck. I think that Liverpool's fatal flaw is potentially their defense. I just pulled up the XGA; they're eighth, unexpected goals allowed. So if there's somewhere where their title hopes will fall apart, that might look like the way. And City, City, or City. So, you know, it's just on the rest of us to try to catch them. Can I just um, interject with something funny? Um, I know we, we always talk about, you know, football that's going on live and, and how it's irrelevant to talk about it. <laughs> but it's half time in the Champions League matches on Tuesday and Real Madrid are losing at home to Sheriff Tiraspol. So <laughs> <laughs> lovely stuff. They're losing one. Didn't they lose the first gate too to old boys or young boys or whatever? One of the boys. That was uh, young boys, old boys, some boys. Um, boys. Man United lost to uh, oh, that was young United. boys. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, yeah, this is yeah. the mighty Real Madrid who, um, yeah, obviously they don't need some sort of bailout from uh, the Middle East to sort them out. Um, if we're going to talk about hilarity and fixtures, we can't not talk about this one to round off the week, can we, Oscar? 
Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Simpson, please cue the jingle here. <laughs> I didn't even realize that worked out. <laughs> Ooh, they're better than they ought to be. Burn my house away. Oh, I don't know if that makes it better, Jeff. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it makes it worse, having been on the other side of that a couple of times. We had Burnley of the week in the big North London derby. Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1, Arsenal 0.8. Tottenham's 1.0. Take those points and run, Arsenal fans. Take the points and run. (laughs) Yeah, be happy with that. I will say this was a very good example, not to get too statsy right away, but I'm about to. Uh, This was a perfect example of game state. Arsenal were very lucky to have scored three that early, Mm -hmm. but they just shut it down. And up until that point, it was, you know, they had 3-0 or whatever, whatever the scoreline was at that time. They were dominating the XG as well. Like, yeah, it was only 0.8, but like Tottenham didn't have jack shit Hmm. at the beginning of this match. And the only reason that Tottenham were able to generate 1.0 and end up slightly above Arsenal on the XG, very slightly above, is because Arsenal just fully dropped back and were like, okay, whatever. We have a three-goal lead. We're just going to do nothing but defend and you guys can have the ball and good luck fucking scoring three on us because you're Tottenham and you suck. You're fucking trash. (laughs) Um, And it paid out. So, like, I think Arsenal could have easily generated a lot more than 0.8 because they were much the better team to start off. They just hit the off button and were like, why are we going to why are we going to, like, exert ourselves at this point? We can shut it down. Yeah, I think it's quite smart at that point, considering the pressure that Arteta has been under not very Mm. long ago. Um, You you know, you get hammered by City 5-0. And then, you know, you get a couple of those games where you get the results you need to, whereas, you know, it wasn't exactly great, but at least you're getting three points um, and one nils against Norwich and Burnley to then come into this game. And if you go, if he goes three nil up in such a quick fashion, I mean, what was it? It was like half an hour in and they were three nil up. Um, He had to kind of smarten up, shut the shop down, you know, restrict Spurs to a few kind of chances that they might get. Obviously, they did get a goal. Um, towards the end of the game, obviously Sun getting involved, um, and, and then getting the three points. But it's—is it a sustainable Arsenal? Do do we feel like you change your opinion of them after the three results? Because you know, a, a month ago after three games, Nuno had Manager of the Month, um, <laughs> and uh, that's looking <laughs> like he should probably, you know, Premier League should probably get a refund for that trophy. Um, <laughs> point because Give it back. Spurs continue to look just fucking woeful. Terrible, terrible. Um, to answer your question, I would say no, I don't revise my opinion of either of these teams. Arsenal looked very good here. Arsenal have looked pretty good in the last few matches. Arsenal are still also 17th unexpected goal difference per 90 still. So like, that's not good. That's not good numbers. Mm. And Tottenham aren't much better. Tottenham are 15th. Um, Tottenham to me, are worse than Arsenal, at least as of right now, if I had to bet. Uh, even though their XG difference for 90 is very slightly better. But yeah, no, Ar- Arsenal look at least on the way up, but not enough to like really make me change my opinion. I think they're both still pretty shit. Um, no disrespect, or rather full disrespect to North London team fans. Uh, <laughs> Spurs are fucking terrible, man. I will say this for Spurs, the one very thin silver lining on this is that Harry Kane had five total shots for the entire season leading up to this match, and then he got five shots in this match. Again, game state effect. They had all the ball. They had lots of opportunities to create those shots. But you still like to see someone get, you know, double their shot tally. Ten shots after six matches is still not great, but it's a lot better than five shots after six matches. You know what I mean? So, like, I guess that's some sort of a silver lining, but really, really just embarrassing to be a Spurs fan right now. Shout out, Jeff. Um, fucking terrible times over there. I don't know. Is Nuno going to be fired? Is he like, should he be fired actually, more importantly? I mean, the thing is, if they pull the trigger now or soon, then mm. it's, re- apart from the fact that there would presumably be a massive payout, it just looks so Huge, bad on the club. Horrific payout. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> one of the documented reasons why Palace rejected Nuno was because not just of his demands, but the amount of people that came with him. Um, yeah. And they just weren't, Palace weren't ready to have that much of an integrated risk. The fact that if one thing goes wrong, you lose a whole management team. Um, right. And that's kind of where Tottenham find themselves with who was about their sixth choice. Um, so if your first five choices have rejected you, 
who's seventh on the list? Like, are they getting Tim Sherwood back? Oh my yes, gosh. Please. <laughs> please, please, please. Oh my God, that would make me so fucking happy. <laughs> but like, if we are writing off this Spurs team as for this season Such and, and mid-table. Literally manager of the month to the shittest manager in the league. Like, <laughs> let's just say that, that. This is what we're saying. But but hang on, because because that are you, are you criticizing the fact that we're we're criticizing Nuno? Here's what I'm gonna say. Like, so I said before about the Palace game, right? And Brighton equalizing that late was an absolute punch in the dick. But if it's the other way round, it's great. Yeah. If Tottenham are bottom after three games and are now at tenth, and Arsenal were top after three games yeah. and are now 11th, we would be saying Arteta should be fired. So, like, it's just funny in how it shakes out that, you know, Tottenham were top first, Arsenal were 20th, and now they literally have met in the middle three games yeah. later. That it's, you know, do we need to temper it a little bit? I don't want to sound like the voice of No, no, reason. absolutely. I don't I like saying, it. But the, the, problem, the problem with Spurs, though, at the minute is that they won their first three games 1-0. None of them were particularly convincing. And... A lot of the problems you saw in this game felt like uh, Nuno problems. Like there was so much space between the players, they mm-hmm. just never seemed to get any pressing going at all, and that's that falls down to the manager, I think. And all I'm saying is, if you write this season off already as another Spurs mid-table season, then do Spurs just let it happen and then sack him later? Or do they pull the trigger now and hope to hope to rescue it? <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to need to shift Kane to pay off Nuno. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, yeah, well, exactly. How fucking stupid do they look turning down? And I said it at the time, and everyone was like, <laughs> "Oh, they're going to be so great keeping Harry Kane. That's going to be so good for their season." Like, dude, you had a hundred and fifty million pounds on the table for Harry Kane. A hundred and fifty fucking million pounds, and they were like, "Nah." We'll bet on him staying so that we'll get, you know, I don't know what they fucking thought they were going to get out of this season. Not a fucking yeah. top four spot, probably. I mean, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Doesn't but look good at the minute. Fucking does it? A. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, for the record, I don't think that they actually had a 150 million bid. I think it was the, the cash plus players that then Spurs would have been like, well, we can't actually afford to pay the wages of these players. So I don't think that there was necessarily a cut and dry FIFA style. Here's a load of money. Give me your player type thing. (laughs) But to very quickly take it back to Nuno, all I'm saying is that he looks out of his depth at the minute Mm -hmm. in a club that is bigger than those he's managed before. And Spurs won't pull the trigger on firing him now. So it just looks like we're in for a season of of Spurs just meandering around, possibly getting rid of Harry Kane in January mm. for less money than they would have got in the first place, and then potentially spending that less money badly. So I just don't, <laughs> I just don't know how it's going to go for him for the oh, rest of the I season. I hope they go full Spursy. I hope they go full Spursy. That would make me so happy, honestly. <laughs> I know. Chuck, to take it back to your question, Chuck, to take it back to your question, I would just say that Arsenal and Arteta has like three years of a track record of being shit as opposed to Nuno who's been here for six games. So like, that's the difference if they were in 20th moving up or whatever, like, yes, that's why Arteta should be fired in that situation. And why maybe you give Nuno some time. Um, yeah, but it ain't looking good. It's like they skipped the nice part of Nuno and went straight to when he was bad at Wolves. Like, yeah, yeah, they really do look like they've done that. Yeah. I mean, I just keep coming back to like, they look so much worse than they did under Mourinho. Mourinho was getting stuff, getting results, getting actual underlying performances, and Kane looked good last season. And now look where they are. So, like, (laughs) they should have kept Mourinho. (laughs) (laughs) That's the look you're looking at. Well, that put me in a better mood. They've both got fairly decent runs. You know, Spurs have got Villa, Newcastle. um, Then they've got West Ham, Man United, Everton, Leeds. Um, kind of rounding out their next six. And Arsenal have got Brighton, Palace, Villa, Leicester, Watford. So I think that's a fair stretch of games for both of them to compare then how we are after that. But Yeah, okay. Oh, boy. I mean, I've, I, the Palace fans definitely feel like we dodged a massive fucking bullet by not going for Nuno. Yeah, 100%, because he's so defensive. He's boring. You would be having none of the fun you're having. You'd probably have similar, if not worse, performances and results. I'm having so much fun. Fun is fun. Fun is nice. Great enjoying football. 
Can't relate. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's all the big ones. Uh, do we? Should we do? I mean, you stole the rapid, rapid, rapid fire fixtures, but never mind. Uh, we do a quick <laughs> round out. What else happened in the other games? Villa obviously getting an excellent run. Solskjaer can't manage. Emmy Martinez is an absolute king of penalty shit housery. Love um, him. I don't know if you would have seen this, Oscar. I didn't. Tell me this. So oh, you'll love there's this, a Oscar. Big fracas going on for the penalty to be awarded, and Bruno is standing in the middle trying to be all calm and and hold the ball. Meanwhile, Emmy Martinez is in front of him, looking over his shoulder, going, "Look, Ronaldo, you're you're going to take the penalty, right? Aren't you going to take the penalty? You should you should probably take you should probably be the one taking the penalty. Why aren't you taking the penalty? This guy's going to take the penalty. Why oh, is this guy taking why it? Is this guy is he going to take it? Amazing. And obviously the other Villa players, and then he hoofs it into orbit. <laughs> Martinez is giving it the big un. Uh, Villa players are giving it the big end to Fernandez, um, and obviously Solskjaer is a whinging prick at the end because he's got nothing else going for him. Um, Everton, Andros Townsend keeps scoring. What is yeah. happening? Um, Norwich are the shittest team in the league. Oh, they sure are. There it is. Um, do we get uh, Derby Derby record vibes already? Are we are they paying out on that bet? I wouldn't be surprised if. Um, certain betting companies start paying out soon. Um, Leeds West Ham was again. That was so much fun that game. Leeds Leeds looking better with all these injuries and all this kind of thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it did feel a bit more like Leeds of last season, didn't it? Mm. Um, Rafina, I love him so much. <laughs> I just, he's so so good. He's so fun to watch, and he's. I think his XG like this season is is pretty low, but he just keeps putting in 20 yard goals and then just walking off like it's yeah that's what I yeah. do isn't it ping <laughs> like, fuck off just, yeah exactly just love him brilliant um, things going from bad to worse for Junior Furpo in his um, integration into the Premier League as Jared Bowen hits a double uh, deflection goal <laughs> that goes off Furpo and in um, poor poor guy um and Mikel Antonio what a beauty um yeah. Leicester Vardy doing Vardy things goals in his own net goals in yeah. the other net yeah his own goal beautifully taken beautiful goal fantastic <laughs> really attacked the ball really well to flick it on um meanwhile Alan St. Maximan keeps being the only thing that's going on in Newcastle and they keep wasting all their chances um yep. it's it's Mayla Saar with a beautiful header that guy's scoring all kinds of goals and yeah. um, Southampton Wolves, Raul Jimenez is the only story here, really. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. His first goal in fucking God knows how long now. I can't remember. 11 months um, yeah. after being out with, with the head injury. Fantastic to see. Um, great assist see coming. how much that meant to him as well. Yes, every, everyone there. And a, and a great assist from the goalkeeper who, yes. <laughs> um, Oscar, you'll be pleased to know, has now created twice as many big chances as Kai Havertz in the Premier League. In Love the Premier it. League. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. He's been playing for Wolves <laughs> for six games in goal. Um, that rounds out fixtures. <laughs> um, I haven't had a chance to update the Predictor League. Deal with it. You're not really that bothered anyway, are you? Um, but let's go for another patented Chucky quiz. This one's all about acronyms. I don't have a jingle. I don't have a toy. Um, but that's what you get. I was a very busy man yesterday. Um, so busy, in fact, that this quiz actually comes from um, well-known Patreon, uh, a free man of the town of Sutton, Mr. Andy Penpraise. Hey, um, Chelsea fan. Thank Hi. Hi, Andy. Oh, another Yay, one. Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a quiz about football team acronyms. So this is teams across either the top or second tier clubs in Europe that have collections of letters in their name. So these are going to be multiple choice. And what do the abbreviations stand for when they're translated into English? Very, very simple. So all you've got to do is select A, B or C for these. So the first one is B-A-T-E Borisov who are members of the Belarusian Premier League. So, does it stand for A, Belarus Army Training Academy, B, Boring Antita Technical Eggplant, <laughs> or C, Borisov Automobile Tractor Electronics? 
This is clearly, clearly a trick question. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Ian, are you double thinking this or are we just going for the obvious one here? I, I, I'm going to go for the obvious one because I don't want to go for a silly one and then be wrong. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna overthink this one and go with what you're not choosing and hope that that pays out at the end Brilliant. of the game. So Belarus Army Training Academy, boring antique to technical eggplant or the Borisov <laughs> Automobile Tractor Electronics. Uh, the next one is Apoel, Apoel Nicosia who are in the Cypriot First Division. So, does APOEL, A-P-O-E-L, stand for Athletic Football Club of the Greeks, the People's Liberation Group Public Supporters Trust, or the Archimedes Institute of Energy Research? <laughs> I love a multiple choice quiz. Athletic Football Club of the Greeks, People's Liberation Group Public Supporters Trust, or Archimedes Institute of Energy Research. Number three... AIK Football of the Swedish Allsvenskan League. I'm sure Sam Danby will correct me on my pronunciation of that. <laughs> so does the AIK stand for General Sports Club, Public <laughs> Public Swimming Baths, or Assemble It Yourself? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's not going to be fucking IKEA. <laughs> That's fucking great. That's very funny. That's a great joke. <laughs> Oh, I love that. You're, you're hoping that I'm so <laughs> dim-witted that it is possible that I have just heard, like, a Swedish club and assemble it yourself, and in my head I'm going to go, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Chuck, was that your joke or was that Andy's? Because if it's Andy's, we need to get him on the pod. He's fucking brilliant. Andy Andy left one potential answer for each for me to create with, so oh, I'll leave, leave it up to you guys to decide which one I came up with. So it was Andy's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one is CSKA Moscow of the Russian Premier League. But what does CSKA stand for? Is it the Central Sports Club of the Army? Is it the United Team of Stalin? Or the Soviet Youth Association Sports Club? Next one, CFR Kluge, who are in Romanian Liga 1. Does CFR stand for Fighting Romanian Club? Romanian Federal Railways or Romanian Football Club. The next team, BSAD, who are in the Portuguese Primera Liga. Way ahead of you. Very sad. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> boop, boop. Uh, does BSAD stand for the Benfica Second Team Feeders? B, the Belenenses Public Limited Sports Football Company? Or C, the Brazilian Portuguese Sporting and Athletic Designation? Benfica second team feeders, Belenenses public limited sports football company, or the Brazilian Portuguese sporting and athletic designation. Next one is SPAL, who are in the Italian Serie B. Does SPAL, S-P-A-L, stand for the Liberal Group of Construction, the Players and Fans Collaboration, or the Arts and Works Club? Number eight. VFB Stuttgart of the Bundesliga. Does it stand for the Association for Motion Games, the Victorious Association of Brothers, or Integration Association of Volkswagen? That's <laughs> <laughs> what we should change our name to. We're all we're all Volkswagen owners. <laughs> we are. We're all we're all of the Volkswagen. As of recently, yeah, I finally upgraded my 2007 piece of shit to a car that is. <laughs> Not a 2007 piece of shit. <laughs> that fucking thing refused to die. I've been waiting for like three years. I'm like, this thing's going to die. I'm going to drive it till it dies. I'm going to drive it till it dies. Fucking Toyotas, man. If I was just like, fuck this. I can't. Your brown Toyota with all of the Chelsea stickers on it. Uh, it, it was black once upon a time. Thank you very much. It's just <laughs> oh, sun damage. <laughs> I don't know if I miss. I don't know if I'm misremembering or if it was just that faded that it looked like the it could be brown. The driver's side when I saw was pretty you. faded. I had a lot of like carcasses of stickers. Like I had just plain white circles that used to be the Chelsea badge. <laughs> held together by his Chelsea stickers. Yeah, pretty exactly. Much. Yeah, yeah. They still gave me two grand for it when I traded it in. That's I'm like, insane. do you guys know how old this is? Those parts are worth so much because the car's indestructible. It's like Superman. Of Fair course. enough. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, number nine, FC Wit Georgia of the Georgian Erev Newly Liga 2. 
That um, mighty, mighty league. <laughs> brilliant. So what does the WIT stand for in FC Wit Georgia? Does it stand for Technological Global Institute, World Innovation Technologies, or the World Institute of Technical Proficiency? Why do all these clubs sound like global organisations for science? So yeah, or mining conglomerates. Yeah. Or... Look, there, look, there was a theme to the ideas I could come up with with some of the answers. Right. <laughs> Something, something has to be an institute. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. And the last one is uh, KUPS, or K-U-P-S, of the Finnish Veikausliga. That's probably pronounced wrong. So, does K-U-P-S stand for Sports Club from the City of Kupio with a focus on ball games? Yes. Right. Yes, that's what I'm picking. (laughs) The Kings and Princes Sports Association or the Fishermen of Cupio United. <laughs> where 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 are they based? Country I I didn't recognise the, the Finnish uh, Finnish Veikkausliiga. Finland. Yeah. Finland. So is it sports club from the city of Cupio with a focus on ball games? <laughs> King Kings and Princes I, I really Sports Association. <laughs> Or the fishermen of Cupio. Okay. I'll go for fishing. It's Finland. I'll go for fishing. I I just chose the ones that like would make me the happiest if they were the yeah, answer. I, yeah. So you know, this is blind guessing here. The answers we go back to way back. If you remember this far back, I tried to do this quiz quick, but never mind. Um, B A T E Borisov stands for Borisov Automobile Tractor Electronics, which was answer C. It is yes! the uh, yes. Unbelievably played me there. Get in. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I'm going to try and say it in the original language. The Borisovskaya Automobilnaya i Tractornaya Electronica. Uh huh. There you go. There we go. Very good. Apoel Nicosia. The answer is A. The Athletic Football yes. Club of the Greeks, oh, or man. the Athletikos Pophosferikos Omilos Elinon Lefkosias. Fluent uh-huh. me. The AIK is answer A, General Sports Club or Almana Idrots Club. Thank God for that. That's my Unfortunately, it yeah. is not assemble it yourself. Yeah. Never mind. Seska <laughs> um, Moscow is also answer A, Central Sports Club of the Army, Centraini Sportivni uh, Club Army. Um, CFR Kluj, the CFR stands for Romanian Federal Railways, which was answer B, Kaile Derate Romani. Oh dear. Answer B. Uh, be sad, be very sad, stands for, <laughs> is answer B, Belenenses Public Limited Sports Football Company or Belenenses Sociedad Desportiva de Futebol. Oh, lovely pronunciation. Thank you. Yeah. Spal stands for Art and Work Club. Societa Polisportiva Zelabor. <laughs> Answer C. Yes. <laughs> VFB Stuttgart. The VFB stands for Association for Motion Games or Verein für Bewegungsspieler. <laughs> Bewegungsspieler. Never mind. Um, it is not Volkswagen because Volkswagen is Munich, of course. You fools. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, the Georgian team. It stands for World Innovation Technologies, which was answer B, which, uh, according to Andy, is a United States food company that just sponsored a team. And Coops, K-U-P-S, stands for Sports Club from the city of Cupio yes. with a focus on ball games or the yes. Cupion Palo Sierra. Uh, but I don't know a Finnish accent, which was answer A. So I'm quite pleased with how that went, guessing your brain, Chuck, more than knowing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oscar, how many did you get? I got five. Five for Oscar. How many for Ian? It's up to (laughs) him. He's not even going to say. (laughs) I got three. Oh, that's not no odds odds thirty percent one in three that's close enough. Don't call it a comeback. I believe I'm in the lead now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just about that takes Oscar to four three. And considering we're doing football quizzes, Ian, you really need to sort yourself <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once these switch off the football, I'm running away with it. But um, I will keep trailer in that I've got some really good ones coming up eventually. Once I just put in the admin. Um, great quiz, Andy. So enjoyed that. Great quiz. 
Yeah, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Patreons, for um, making my life easier um, and paying for the pleasure. So we go into game week seven, Saturday, the 2nd of October. Um, we kick off with Man United versus Everton in the early fixture. Everton win and just Townsend 30 yards. Bang. Um, <laughs> then, you know, the reason for the 3 p.m. blackout existing, we have Burnley versus Norwich. Um, <laughs> Chelsea Chelsea versus Southampton, Leeds, Watford, Wolves, Newcastle, then Brickton, Arsenal. Uh, the Sunday, Crystal Palace, Leicester, Spurs, Aston Villa and West Ham, Brentford are the early 2 p.m. games all at the same time. And then 4.30, um, another big top of the table clash as Liverpool host Manchester City. Um, Manchester City, who obviously, sorry to do this again, Oscar, beat Chelsea 1-0. They are currently trailing to PSG away in Paris and then have to go to Anfield to a big fucking week for i know they're a good team but that's a big fucking week um so it'd be very interesting to see how city come out of that oscar you feel like you're gonna put southampton to the sword i fucking hope so man honestly i just want us to start creating chances and looking free-flowing again because because we were at the end of last season that's it i just don't want jamie vardy to score um (laughs) we will have unfortunately an international break after that and um i know you'll all be very saddened to hear uh, ladies and gentlemen but i will not be here next week um for the simple fact that i don't care no i will be in disneyland oh you can cut the sad music The one in Paris, not the one in California, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not allowed in. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your country will not let us in. Uh, Yeah, I will be off in Disneyland with my better half and my child all weekend. So in my stead, and I'm really annoyed about this because he'll probably do better than me, much better than me, I won't listen out of spite, uh, (laughs) is the marvellous, the OG punching bag, Mr. Adam P., um, who will be stepping in, which will be quite interesting because Oscar will have to hear more about Arsenal um, next week. So we'll be doing that. Then we'll probably do uh, an international break. Who fucking knows what we'll talk about session. And then finally, Premier League will be back um i'm just just as ever just waiting for ian at any point to start playing the fucking music just, <laughs> <laughs> i never know i never know i know i know but just you'll get there buddy but i believe in you um so thank you very much as ever oscar puente things can only get better beep boop sad ian stimson your team might not get battered this week please Bournemouth on Wednesday come on and I'll see you in a couple of weeks viva la Disneyland thanks Nate Witt and Mark Deff and Johnny Wormington we love you bye